This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, Canadian photographer Steve Haining dove over 100 feet underwater to take the deepest portrait photo of a model ever. He tells us how he did it, what the rules were, and why the record was so difficult to break. Which was his record, by the way. What is the one luxury item you can't live without? What do you treat yourself with? Shift has texted in and let us know. And are you okay with marathons? And how about the Grammys? All of this and more on the Shift Daily Podcast. This is the Shift Podcast. We love photos at shiftheads.ca on the Facebook group. Um, James and Keith and everybody else who posts photos constantly, we love it. It's one of our favorite things to share. And what's better than a photo of Canada or a photo of a part of Canada? Turns out a photo under the water is pretty awesome. Now, the deepest recorded photograph is probably somewhere around the Titanic level of deep. But we're talking more like robots and stuff. I follow a bunch of photographers from Hawaii that take underwater photos of waves. They take underwater photos of sharks and they're just stunning photographs. So given the chance to have a conversation with Steve Haining, a Canadian who has set a record for the deepest underwater photo shoot with a model, um, it was a really great opportunity. Now, I feel like I got to ask Steve, the deepest under photo, underwater photo shoot with a model who made it back to the surface in time or the deepest underwater photo with a model Boy, that was deep. We should have planned that differently. How did it go? <laughs> she she survived. Let's uh, put it that oh, way. Good. But yeah, definitely uh, uh, the the record is photo shoot with a model or portrait photo shoot. Um, mm. Like you said, the the submarines and there's some divers, like technical divers that have gone and taken pictures um, pretty far down. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as bringing a model, building a set, and then staying at depth and doing a full-blown photo shoot, that's... That's what I'm known for. Yeah. And this is cool. Like, but I mean, I'll link everybody to your website so they can see your portfolio. Um, there's a, a bunch of things that you do here that are portrait driven. Lots of people, it seems like, really driven on the people. Um, but there's a lot more than just underwater. So that that is legitimately um, uh, a thing that you seem to really like, not only just diving. So you're from Hamilton. You mostly live in Florida. You're in Quebec right now. And I have seen some photos in your portfolio, some indigenous photos. Is that a thing that you um, that you like to gravitate to? Because we've had some indigenous photo photographers on who um, like the way they capture color, man, that's just stunning. Yeah, I, um, I always did a little bit of outreach in general. So in my early photography days, I was in Tanzania doing photography workshops and, and helping um, with the education program. And then I was in Cuba doing some work and at one point I was asked like, you know, why aren't you teaching in vulnerable communities in your own neighborhood? And I was like, you know, I'm kind of going to places I need to go places that need it. And like, yeah, you might want to Google that. <laughs> so, mm. um, so then I learned kind of about everything that was going on and I started working in maximum security, youth prisons, um, remote, uh, first nations and Inuit communities doing art-based workshops that are completely based around self-expression. So, mm. um, how to to like story tell and deal with things or just like get your mind in a better headspace by using visual art. Oh, um, amazing. yeah. So that's why I'm up here right now. That's I've, it's kind of been like part of what I do with my life, uh, whenever I've got some downtime. And so right before the holidays, I'm just doing a semester with the Cree school board teaching some photography and, uh, they're going to make a short film too. Oh, cool. That's neat. I mean, that's a big learning lesson. I mean, as a Canadian, I think who not only had your career and you've had some wild success with what you've done, but at the same time to get that reset, to come and do it at home. Uh, how do you find that? Is that rewarding? Yeah. I mean, like I kind of look at it like I have three jobs, right? I've got my job that pays the bills and that's like my commercial photography, um, celebrity portrait stuff, filmmaking movies and the stuff I've done for, you know, network television. Uh, then I've got my job that is creative and that's like the, the underwater stuff, you know, like this stuff where I can kind of like let my mind go wild. 
Mm-hmm. And then I have like the job that keeps me young and that's working with kids and kind of remembering why I even started being an artist to begin with because I didn't mm-hmm. want to have a job. I needed to pay the bills, but I didn't want a job. Didn't want a real job. Yeah. Uh, and fantastic photos it is. You mean Mr. Wonderful and many other stars on there too. Uh, how did you fall into that? Because Los Angeles is on your list of places that you spend some time. Yeah, I um, I was a drummer in a band in my teen years, and not in a. Ooh, what was any, your band name? Oh, there's so many of them. No, nothing. Oh, <laughs> Did you have uh, a favorite? Can you name one favorite? Uh, one I toured with was the Never Seen. I still fill in on drums for a band called oh, Liv- Living uh, Dead Girl. So yeah. Oh, very good. But See, uh, yeah, but like band bands that let me gave me the opportunity for the first time in my life to see the world, um, but and open for big people like we weren't relevant by any means any of the artists that i played with um but if we opened for a band that was on a label i was uh in that weird generation where having a camera was a big deal nobody had phone cameras that were good enough to do anything and so i got recognized for my photography because i was on the road opening for these bigger bands that turned yeah it it turned into um working with like much music mtv then record labels and that kind of is what kick-started my career so that's also like that weird i kind of just weirdly ended up in this area where i was doing portraits for a lot of public figures yeah, isn't that interesting, right? That you, you know, your music part, I mean, clearly you became a photographer to meet girls because the drummer part was not working out. <laughs> um, <laughs> drummer never gets the girl, right? The, um, but you've got Brian Mello on here. You've got like all kinds of, fa- Jason, is that Jason Derulo? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of, of, you know, super famous people. Is is it, um, is it different shooting a, a star? They know how to pose or, or has it become more difficult because they know how to pose? You know, it's actually pretty easy to work with the artists themselves because they're very comfortable they're they're not a stranger to cameras what's difficult is working with the full production of like an ad campaign and you know so it's it's like a lot more heads in the idea than than a normal shoot too much bureaucracy i guess that's probably it's a lot of uh yeah logistical things to deal with yeah um that must be interesting when i'm looking at this what i'm seeing here is i mean with stars they sort of know their identity, right? They, they're self-expressed, they know their identity. When you take photos of just normal people, they might not know their identity, but yet when you get into these indigenous photos, you know, these people that are in these photos, they seem to really know their identity in that photo, in the indigenous photo. And then when you get into these underwater photos, now this is like complete expression. It's not about the identity of the person, it's about the experience. What's that like for you as a photographer switching between that yeah i mean i'm very comfortable with art direction so if i see somebody in their zone or i know how somebody wants to be portrayed i can really communicate that to get the picture where i want it um i'm also good at seeing the errors and being able to go oh if i move this a little bit it's going to look better uh so what kind of drew me into the underwater work and it didn't really get to the extent that it did until that first world record but it was like you're removing visibility from your model, you're removing communication, you're really messing with lighting and you don't have, you can't just like quickly (laughs) fix the light at that depth. And so it was like, can I still take a photo the way I think a photo should look if I add all these weird limitations and challenges to it? And yeah. 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 Like I can take a photo underwater, you know, the fabric is flowing, the light is beautiful, but can I do it down here? I mean, that's a whole level of challenge that you probably don't need to go through, really. No, I mean, the so it started with pools. You can put a set in a pool and in places like LA, places like Florida, it's there's no liner in a pool. So you can actually build like a wooden set right to the ground, right? It's just right. cement. And so that's easy because you go, okay, hold your breath, put a little weight belt on, go down, let's do this. Okay, it looked okay. And you can still communicate how it looks. Um, the shipwrecks and open water stuff's a little different because you got to be down for prolonged periods of time. There's currents, there's there's a whole bunch of things that can happen. And if you, you know, you go up and nothing works, that's a whole other tank of air. You got to go and get to right. go do it again. Uh, and not to mention slimy things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We like, try to not touch too much down there. So how, how do you do it? Can you let us in behind the wizard's curtain? You set a world record for the deepest photo with a model. It is in Ontario that you did it. Um, do you keep air tanks down there to get a bit of a refresh on your breathing or are you constantly, is the model constantly up and down? 
so for the world record, they have to be at depth for a length of time. Minimum, I think, is 15 minutes for it to count as a photo oh, wow. shoot. So that kind of eliminates like free divers from going, oh, I dove to 75 feet, took a selfie and went up. That's my photo shoot. Right. Um, I'm sure that they created the guidelines for that reason um, with the world record. Uh, I didn't know it was a world record when we did it the first time. I kind of, as a COVID joke with some diving people on my team, was like, well, let's just walk around the studio in scuba and we can still hang out during the uh, <laughs> during the restrictions. But that, uh, funny. that turned into, well, like, let's actually go do it. Let's go to down to depth. Um, so they stay down at the bottom, which means there's limitations. Usually the model, we, we've kind of re-regged uh, or redesigned a regulator for the model that's on a way longer hose so that that uh, safety diver can kind of be out of the shot and just drop the hose down when she needs to breathe right. uh, on side mount. So two tanks on that mod or on the safety diver so that that model still has her own personal air. And that's mm. kind of the starting point for it. There's a bunch more technical things like adding weights and stuff to keep people down there. Yeah. Rocks in your pockets, eh? Yeah. The model floats if she's got a breath full of air, right? Right. And that, that, I mean, so that creates a whole new, um, and the more they struggle with it, the more air they need. I imagine it's so like, it really is a bit of a vicious circle. Now, one thing that we've learned here on the shift through some of the different divers and videographers, documentary, uh, document, uh, documentary makers and filmmakers is that with the muscle invasion that's going on in the Great Lakes right now, they've been able to find more shipwrecks because of how clear the water is. Uh, was that part of your research now? Because these photos are shockingly clear. I'm guessing, and I'm I'm not the biologist to be able to know this, that some of these photos probably weren't even possible without that super clear water that these muscles are creating. Yeah, the visibility changes a lot. The good there's pros and cons to the lakes and where we chose. the The biggest pro is that it's fresh water. The one thing Canada's got going for it is all the Great Lakes in that fresh water, and then in the Tobermory area, uh, there's a huge concentration of shipwrecks that have been in fresh water. So, not only is fresh water a little bit more visible, but um, there's more rock in that particular area, so less sand that's going to kick up. And it because of the fresh water, none of those wrecks are rusting. There's no salt that's mixing with the water and then right. eroding all of the metal. So all these wrecks are very impressively intact. Yeah. Um, yeah, not a lot of sand in a pool kicking up. At least you hope not. <laughs> um, so where in Ontario did you take these photos? Let's landmark this for everybody so they can understand. Because, I mean, you, you've, you're from Hamilton, although you don't live there so much anymore. Um, but you, you went back closer to your home. Yeah, I was in in my hometown for a little bit leading up to this, but the shoot both times, both records we did there were in Tobermory, which is Lake where Lake Huron meets Georgian Bay. Um, so if you know the Great Lakes, there's kind of a big bay that sticks off of Lake Huron and right in that section where they connect is the closest concentration of shipwrecks. I think it might be, it's definitely the most shipwrecks in North America concentrated to one area. It might be the world. I, I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, did you do more than one shipwreck? Because one looks much more industrial metal and one looks much more old school wood frame. Yeah. So in the, the first record shoot we did was at 21 feet on a wreck called the uh, Wetmore. And we also shot on one called the Sweepstakes. And those are two very famous wrecks in Tobermory, uh, both wooden ships. And then when we went to beat this record, like that first record kind of lit a fire under the whole team <laughs> to be like, mm -hmm. like, we did this, we could do way better. What are we talking about? Um, so we planned a hundred feet and the wreck at a hundred feet logistically worked for a couple of reasons. One, we didn't need permits. The first time we needed permits because it was in a provincial park and you're touching mm -hmm. shipwrecks and there's photo evidence of it. So you want to make sure that you're logistically following the rules. Um, the second time the wreck was just outside of that park and it was an intentionally sunk, uh, sea sucker that hmm. is metal. It's a metal ship. It was sunk in 1999. It's called the Niagara two, and it was sunk with holes cut in it and mappings in it to teach divers as like an instructional ground. Very cool. Yeah. Um, that's fascinating to think that, um, that deep though, uh, you had enough light down there. You didn't have to fake the light. We brought lights down so the uh, we could have like really pushed the cameras to make the lighting work um but 
when you're at that depth, you're also losing yellows. Like all the warm tones, the deeper you go in water kind of turn into gray. And we had a bright red dress so that we didn't want that to look like a dark brown dress because it doesn't really add the same emotional effect to the to the shoot. And yeah. so we did bring well, that in, red is unbelievable. Yeah, it was like the perfect it, in theory, it, it was a good idea. And then once we actually did, it, we we're like, well, OK, this was smart. Um, but yeah, so we brought two lights down in housing. So they're video production lights and in kind of encased in like a tube that has rubber gaskets to hold, uh, it safe from the pressure. Mm. So the photo, the older photo of the more cream colored pink dress, mm -hmm. that was the 21 foot depth. Was it? That was, yeah. Oh, amazing. And then the red dress is the one that was at the, was that hundred feet? That was at a hundred feet. Yeah. God, that's amazing. That's like, that's a lot of pressure. How did the model handle that? Must be an experienced diver. Yeah. So the, it was the same team juggled around for the second time. So the first time I picked a model, Sierra Antowski, she's a figure model I've worked with forever. And one of those people where I'm like, I want to go on a glacier and do this. And she's down, right? Like it's mm. always like, let's, what's the next challenge. And she had recently gotten her dive certification. So that was the proposal was to use her. She was the first record holder with us. And the safety diver was uh, Marisha Klopes, who's um, a dive master trainer. She's the Penn and Teller escape act for their big finale during their magic shows. Oh, it's like the, the person who they like put her in a straight jacket and handcuff her and like shackle her and throw her in a tank of water. And she has to like pick out with the bobby pin. That's her job. Like that, that's wow. what she does. Um, that's what you do at work. My God. So uh, she has a really good breath hold, but she's also extremely experienced as a diver and a trainer. So she was the safety on the dive to make sure everybody was okay on the first record shoot. And then on the second record shoot, I didn't want to bring a model that didn't couldn't do a hundred feet and it's like seven degrees Celsius water and she's all Sierra as much as she dives and as an advanced diver does not have a lot of experience beyond that like 65 foot world. Um, so we actually used the safety diver from the first one as the model for the second one and uh, and then brought a, a bigger team of safety divers to help make sure she was okay and everybody who was down there was logistically in in good hands. Hmm. This is really cool, man. The, the work that you're up to. And I, I think it's, it's impressive the scope of it. I mean, the records are amazing. The underwater photos are just stunning. We'll share those at shiftheads.ca so everybody can see them. And it just, it, it's, it's neat. The thing that gets me the most, Steve, is the network. I mean, when you've got uh, Mila Kunis to, you know, Jason Derulo on the famous end of people, all the way down to a class of kids at school that you get to meet and network with consistently, you know, from Hamilton to Florida to LA and, and all the fancy to all the simple and the investing back in your community and your country. Have you ever sat back and looked at that and looked at some of these, you know, um, the scope of people and gone, Oh, wow. I mean, that's quite the community you're building. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's weird. I don't think about it very often. I'm I'm a little bit busy doing things, but then I get these moments where I've got a couple of friends who've done, have led pretty weird lives, kind of <laughs> similar to mine. And there's times where we sit down and we're having a conversation about something like like you were saying, the scope of work between doing remote work in the north, working with celebrities, the adventure stuff, and my other friends like who are one of them was like the lead in stomp for 12 years and did a world tour for 12. And we're just having a conversation together. And one of our friends is just like, do you guys hear yourself? Mm -hmm. Normal people don't have this conversation. Um, so like those moments are like my mom, a lot of the times my mom will be like, you realize all the stuff you're doing. Like you've done a, more than two lifetimes worth of people's experiences yeah. already. So. And, but the way you do it, you also get to share it. I mean, a lot of people will travel the world and experience the world and, and maybe they write a book or tell a story, but you're, you, you are constantly sharing it. And that's so cool, man. What a, what a cool scope of work. Um, what a cool expression. I mean, you got to see these photos with the, the red. I mean, that's just, so what's next? I mean, come on, slacker, pick it up. What's going on? What's coming up next? <laughs> I know, right? I'm. Uh, there's always something. I'm. I'm finishing the underwater series. There's two other 
places I really want to shoot. And I'm hopefully going to do my first like fine art gallery run with the entire collection. Like the ones that people have seen that have been, you know, broadcast or talked about, but also the ones that I've kind of been keeping a secret to myself. Um, I want to go, there's a, a, a full grand piano in the Bahamas underwater at about 10 feet. And there's a full, I think like 787 jet intact at 25 meters in Bahrain. So mm. I'm like, those two are in my list of like, how do I get a new model and go to the, you know, the other side of the world and mm-hmm. do that. But yeah, I'm, I hope I can complete that. I've got a couple other um, documentaries and films that are coming out and yeah, we'll see what's next. I'm I'm always up for whatever th- somebody cool. throws at me if it sounds fun, right? Right. I mean, hey, maybe your celebrity photos, you get booked for like an Elon and he's like, want to take photos on Mars? You could be the first person. <laughs> yeah. mean, you never know, I guess. Right? Yeah, tell him to call me. <laughs> yeah, right. This is great. Well, I'm going to st- uh, share Steve's uh, website for you. Uh, you got to see it. Congratulations, Steve, on the body of work. And not only that, uh, I, I, I kind of get the feeling like the record is sort of just a a really cool byproduct of some pretty awesome playfulness and creativity, right? And um, and it's worked out really well, and it's just impressive without a doubt. Um, thank you for sharing it with us because it's just enjoyable to see, man. Yeah, thanks. You're right. Like the record was just kind of a. It happened. We were doing the shoot either way. The record was something that came to our attention in hindsight, and then we were like, "Well, let's push ourselves a bit." And now we're, we're let's see what happens next. We'll do something else fun. I love it. Okay, you got to introduce yourself to Steve Haining. Uh, he's going to be at shiftheads.ca. As you continue with this, please let us know what you're up to, whether it is teaching, you know, indigenous kids photos uh, or whether it's dealing with the celebs and taking theirs too. Please let us know because we want to hear all of it. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me. This is the Shift Podcast. What's one thing in your life that's got to be luxurious? Ryan O'Donnell. You love your creatures, your habit creature comforts. Is that a right way to say it? I don't know. You do like your fancy, fancy things. I mean, I've got mine, but you say yours first because then I can be judgy. No, <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that that is your right as the host. That is your right. Um, yeah, That's what I'm here for. I do. Look, I look. I was trying to figure out what my like one fancy thing is if I could pick it. And yeah, sure. I like the finer things in life. I can't afford the finer things in life, but mm. I enjoy it. If I could have a nice dinner every now and then. Absolutely. I was thinking, Ooh, coffee, but no, I'll, I'll drink any kind of coffee. I'll drink cheap coffee. I'll drink expensive coffee. I'll get what I can get. Same thing with food. I love a nice dinner, but it doesn't need to be 10 out of 10 food. I'll, happily take a steak but if my only option is a whopper i'll eat the whopper and i tried to get around it i tried to deny that i had this as my like one thing but i just can't it really is my clothes it really is i really really need to have nice clothes and i don't mean like gucci versace crazy expensive stuff but i feel different when i wear clothes that i don't feel comfortable in and they don't need to necessarily be super expensive but i need to have put thought into them the re like i bought this t-shirt because i think this t-shirt will look amazing with this i put thought into every aspect of it Mm. and it kind of reminds me of this clip from parks and recreation with a character named tom haverford who i relate to in some ways not always but he uh, tells the story of going to prom and i can kind of relate to it. I was actually only in my prom for 15 minutes. By the time I got my Armani suit press and got a little dimple on my tie just right, it was 11.45 p.m. My date was pretty pissed, but uh, I looked fly as hell. (laughs) But I uh, looked fly as hell. If you can, you know, if I can leave the house and all I do is run to a coffee shop or go get my groceries, but I put together a cool outfit that I'm happy with, it honestly brings... A lot, a lot to my day. So yeah, I hate to admit I'll it, but that's my fancy taller. thing. I don't think, I don't think you should hate to admit it, brother. I think you should own it. I mean, sometimes you put on that those nice pair of pants, you put your tight pants on, and you walk a little taller. You know, mm-hmm. in your case, it's true. Your corduroy pants, you'd walk a little louder. But <laughs> <laughs> I do have some. Cor- I'm wearing, planning on wearing corduroy tomorrow too. Mm, thanks for the warning. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so that's. I think that's great. I think that. I think that for me. 
of all the things, I like a nice car. It doesn't have to be a new car, but I do like a nice car. I like a refined car. I like a nice driving experience. And um, and my car, like my car is, what, 12 years old? But it's a refined driving experience. Absolutely love it. That part's cool, right? Uh, Headphones for me would Mm. be a mega luxury item. I like to have good quality headphones. I'm very lucky that our engineers sent me some unbelievable headphones when uh, mine were were kind of crapping out there. And they were good. I mean, they were fine. But things like that, I'd like to go buy my Bang & Olufsen headphones. It's shameful how much they cost. But mm-hmm. they really do sound fantastic, and I absolutely love them. 877-399-9898. What is your, your luxury item that you got to have? You're just not willing to compromise. It's your thing. It's your one thing. 877-399-9898. Mine is towels, and it's new to me. It's a new experience. Hmm. I went, when I moved into this place this spring, kind of went through all the towels I was packing up. I'm like, okay, well, these things are, you know, I don't know. Some of them were from back when I was married, and then there was new ones that I bought after that. And I was like, I haven't bought myself towels in so long. And so I donated everything that was decent, uh, you know, well, I donate everything that wasn't decent as well, just to a different place. And I went through and I bought all new towels, white ones. I was at the spa. I went to uh, went to the Banff Springs to treat myself, and they had all these white towels. They were neatly rolled up, spa style roll. Although I'd love to learn how to make one of those, you know, swans towel swans. That'd be cool. Um, and I'm like, I need to learn how to do this. So I YouTubed my way, a la Handy Andy style to learning how to do it, learned how to roll them up, and now I have all brand new, all bright white towels. And I love it. They're fluffy, they're amazing, and I gotta tell you, that is the best thing that I ever did. It makes me feel great. I mean, Ryan, I suggest mm. that you gotta try the you gotta try the luxury towel. Kay. It's the best way to start your day. Okay. Right. This is fantastic. This is excellent because this conversation we're about to have has happened on television before. I like nice towels, but I prefer old towels. I use a towel that I can remember getting when I was 10 years old. It's a giant towel. I still use it. It's because it just dries instantaneously. This conversation, Shane, I found this, happened on Curb Your Enthusiasm when Larry David and a couple of the characters on the show have a great heated debate over what type of towel is best. We got the new towels. Oh, fluffy, beautiful. feel this new fluffy towels. Not like your ratty old towels. What? What'd you say about my towels? I said, not like your ratty old towels. Ratty towels? I have ratty towels? Well, it's just a fact. It's like. not a fact. My towels are not ratty. Oh, don't take such offense. We get new towels every few years. You need to get some new towels. No, you're wrong. I don't need new towels. Towels are better when they're washed over and over again, like a pair of jeans, they dry you a lot better. Okay. They're aged. Because new doesn't dry. Fine. You pat dry, I rub dry. That's the difference. You want to keep patting dry you know, the rest of your life? Go pat dry. Because you don't know the pleasures of a rub dry. Well, you know I love the fluffy You towel. love a fluffy. Oh, my God. But when I want to do a quick dry and thorough, I'd love to have some aged towels. Can we keep a couple of aged? Right, you see what you're doing now? You're turning him against my nice new towels. Okay. That's pretty mm, good. Now, I would right? like to clarify a couple of things. First of all, I disagree. I don't think your towel should also exfoliate. <laughs> okay, that's it's two for one. It's two for one. Uh, nope, that's that's totally different experience. Um, also, Trucker Dan says, "Oh dear Ryan, I have towels older than you." So we need to get Trucker yeah. Dan. We need to start a GoFundMe for Trucker Dan to get some new towels. He did overspend on that minivan he bought, so that's fair enough. Eight seven seven three nine nine ninety eight ninety eight. What is your what is your luxury item? Okay, some of you listen. I love that you listen all the time, Bryce. This could be too much. If you've been listening this week to the shift, this will be funny for you. If not, maybe check out the Facebook group. It will be. Bryce says, "My luxury item. I have a car with rich Corinthian leather." <laughs> <laughs> well done, Bryce. Good way to bring it back again. Bring it full circle. Those jokes. Okay, um, sharp towels do not use, you should not have sharp towels. 
Oh, no, he says they should have sharp towels. Do not use fabric softener. Steve says, yes, they should exfoliate. <laughs> See, this is a great debate. This is a what very is your uh, what is your luxury item that you have to have? Mm, Bordeaux wine from Steve. Unfortunately, needs Ooh. to age for several years. I wish I started collecting years ago. Bordeaux. I think that's uh, that's a great hobby. If you cool learn hobby, um, and. Yeah. Uh, I did. The problem is, though, Steve, is what I don't understand about it. Maybe you can help me. Is that when, like, it's kind of a one-shot deal, right? You have the bottle. It's the only bottle. It's not worth pennies, and you got to make sure the moment is right. You hope it tastes great. You know all those things. What is your luxury item? I, I would be scared of that. What is your luxury item that you cannot live without? Okay. Um, hi guys from Terry. The one thing I really want is real butter. Is that a luxury? I would say that is absolutely yeah. a luxury. I, I think that's, I think Terry, you're absolutely right. Uh, Glenn is in Calgary. Hi, Glenn. Hi, butter, right? Butter. You're with Terry. Are you, with, are you butter, with Terry? Are you I, um, hanging out with Terry right now? Not really. No, well, oh. not ever again. No, it's, uh, <laughs> I, um, I go through phases and I've gone yeah. from straight razors to scotch, to shaving yeah. creams, and now it's it's butter. Really? And man. I get imported butter from France, wow. from Normandy. It's it's grass fed. It's naturally salted from the salt air from the from the ocean, and it's ridiculously expensive. But once you try it, you will never go back. Really? I put it on my bread. I eat it raw. Like I'll just eat, have a little spoonful. Of it. I'll put it in my coffee for for bulletproof coffee. I've heard it of is, that for bulletproof. Yep. Oh, it's just. Like it's, I cannot believe how much when I when I sampled it, I went, "What the hell?" And it yeah. it's ridiculously expensive. It's unreal, but there it is, I right? I get you it. You know, I mean, I, I used to have a four hundred dollar bottle of scotch, right? And I used to shave right. with two hundred year old straight razors, but now yeah. it's my face is butter. That's great. I love it, and it's neat, hey, isn't it neat though, Glenn? How you sort of always keep one thing special that's just for you that you don't care yeah. what it is. It's just it's your thing, and it does change over time like that. That's cool. Yeah, it rotates. Yep. I love Absolutely. that. Glenn, thanks for calling, but appreciate it. Glenn's in Calgary. Glenn agrees with Terry. Um, I don't know, Terry, you tell me. Do you want butter that fancy? That's amazing. I had no idea. We do have a nice bottle of scotch there. Um, Ryan's Glenfiddich. That's one of your favorites. That's a 80 or $90 bottle. I've got, right now, yeah, I've got a Brucolotic. I finished the Glenfiddich. I don't oh, yeah. have a crazy expensive. My buddy had a bottle of Johnny Walker Blue Label, mm -hmm. which he got for his uh, getting his master's degree. And that went a little bit too quick because <laughs> yeah. it was delicious. Nice. I, but that's the thing, right? So I don't buy, I won't buy cheap Irish whiskey, but I don't buy super expensive Irish whiskey. I'm just particular about the ones I get. So it's not really efficient if you want to go out and just get smashed up. It's not the kind of stuff you go drink for that. Um, but, and same thing with red wine. I mean, I, I, uh, Mel always says that she's a red wine snob or she's a wine snob in general, which, you know, I get that sometimes if you're going to spend the money, you'd rather spend five extra bucks or 10 extra bucks on a bottle versus getting some sketchy stuff that you don't really enjoy. I understand that. Okay. So what is your luxury item? The umbrella man, um, Jim in Winnipeg. My luxury item is a two foot acrylic statue from international artist, Peter Max. Oh, that's fantastic. I don't know Peter Max, but I will look it up. Thank you very much for that, Jim. Okay. Um, let's see here. There's so many text messages. Now I can't even keep up. Shane and Ryan and Jono, I 100% agree. Uh, good quality uh, towels is my luxury item. Also love great pajamas and cozy robes. Mm. Teeny in Calgary. Yeah. Egyptian cotton sheets comes in. What's your luxury item? Nice sheets. I get that one. Some people like the flannel if it's too hot. Can't do that. Um, what is your luxury item here? My luxury item, uh, Trucker Dan says, is a well-rolled Cuban in front of a crackling fire. Assuming you mean cigar. We should probably clarify that. Um, yeah. Oh, here you go. Here's another one. Um, there's a secret for your towels and make them still absorb. Don't use fabric softener. I work in industrial laundry. And fabric softener, 
can't say that word, clings to the fabric, therefore makes it less absorbent. Malcolm. Thanks, Malcolm. I learned a new word today. I'm going to have to look it up. How about this one? Luxury item. What's your luxury item? 877-399-9898. I have a bidet. Yay or nay on the bidet for your luxury item. Could you do it? Um, I've only used one once and uh, I'll never forget it because me and my buddy, we were at a hotel going to a concert, didn't know the room had a bidet. So obviously have to try it. And it the sound both of us made was, Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's kind of, it's nice. It's nice. It's not, I don't know if I'd want to use it. It might be difficult to get into the routine of using it, but it made sense and was, um, I, there's a, a couple of people have been, I know have gotten uh, this brand called T- uh, Tushy or Tushy. They make like a bidet thing that you can just order online and they mm-hmm. love it. So, I mean, I'm, I don't know. I would consider it. I would definitely there- would. I absolutely would. I mean, we were talking about that at home too and said, you know, hey, what do you think about a bidet? Absolutely. Get me one. And so I think that's great. Although you got to have the kind of one that gets the water temperature just right. Cause if it's too cold and stuff, like, whoo, that'll wake you up. Good morning. But yeah, I think that the using a bidet is probably one of those things that these, um, some of these other countries that have them standard fare is it's probably smarter than we are. What is your luxury item? 877-399-9898. Johnny Walker Blue Label is great. Prices increased $50 this year. Hey, Shane, my luxury item is what I'm having right now. Oh, you're trying to steal my heart. Kirkland Eggnog from Costco. (laughs) Yeah, I mean luxury because it's only here every so often. Whatever your treat is, man. What's your treat? What is the one thing that you absolutely love? Uh, Butter surprises me the most. Bidet kind of connects. Mine is towels. This is the Shift Podcast. Are you? Are you? Are you? Okay. 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 Are you okay with? All right. Yes, your luxury items can be anything. Wait, 777-399-9898. Send in your luxury items, and we have some stories for you that could make you ponder. They could make you shake your head, too. You never really know. Are you okay with? Ryan O'Donnell's in Ottawa. I'm Shane Hewitt, Calgary and Airdrie. John's in Vancouver. Are you okay with marathons? Well, that depends. Am I in it or by it? Because if I'm close to it, absolutely. I don't really have a desire to be in it. Yep. The marathon made me late to work once. Took an Uber. It was early morning shift at the Waffle House when I was working there. And um, yeah, we were just pulling up and uh, I was like, oh, there's some runners. They blocked the road. Okay. How many? How long am I sitting here? Are the police just going to let us sit here? Yep. So I hopped out of the Uber and ran through the marathon <laughs> to get to work. <laughs> and look, marathons are pretty amazing things, but it's more so uh, a lot of things need to happen for a marathon to work. And sometimes it doesn't work very well, but uh, that was my only experience with the marathon. And Yeah, the uh, traffic can be yeah. tough. You're pulling yeah. into your downtown or whatever it is, and all of a sudden there's signs, marathon today. Oh, no. I'm not getting through here quickly. Exhausting, long, and running all over the place. Not things I, um, I'm big on at all. In no. fact, sitting in the car waiting for the marathon to pass is, you know, just so tiresome. <laughs> the people who compete in them, mind you, amazing. They're not perfect, though. A top ultra marathon runner in the UK has been slapped with a year-long ban after she admitted to hitching a ride in a car, something I would do, I think, during a 50-mile race from Manchester to Liverpool, in which she ended up placing third. <laughs> um, Joasia, Josia, Joasia, that's a new name for me, Josia, Josia, Josia. Zikchevsky was a renowned ultra runner who set a world record back in February for running 255,688 miles in 48 hours. That's not right. 255.668 miles. That's not a comma, Shane. I just assumed it was a typo. What can I say? Nope. Nope. Not a typo. She did not run 255,000 miles in 48 hours. 
Although impressive. 255. Why didn't we just round it, round it up? <laughs> 256. Because science. Science. <laughs> 256. I've rounded up. Miles in 48 hours. She's also served as a team manager for Great Britain during international sporting events. Now, the 47-year-old wrote in a letter to an independent disciplinary panel for the UK Athletics that she did travel in a car, then later completed the run, finishing uh, crossing the finish line and inappropriately receiving a medal and trophy, which I did not return immediately, as I should have done. This is a 50-mile course. Yeah, it's a long course, but in ultra-running, it's considered a very forgiving course. Hmm. It's largely flat. It's largely even. There aren't all these huge challenges of hills and rocks and roots and trees and creeks like you often encounter in such races. Nonetheless, she says she flew in from Australia. She was very tired. She wasn't feeling well. And along the way here, she hit a part where her leg was hurting. She wanted to drop out of the race. A friend came along in a car. She hopped in the car rode two and a half miles to the next aid station, allegedly, where she told a race marshal, according to her, that she was ready to drop out. Exactly what she said to them was that she was just feeling too tired, too hurt at this point, um, and she needed to drop out of the race, no longer running officially. Hmm. That's what she told them at the aid station. She also said that she really would never, ever cheat. That's what she said. Nonetheless, she went to the end. They gave her the third place trophy. She took pictures with it. She went away. And according to the race director, uh, for days, they never heard a word from her. That's from CNN. Uh, Zach Zach Shevsky, the runner, uh, cheating was discovered in April, shortly after the GB Ultra's Manchester to Liverpool race, where she was inappropriately claiming third place. She also apologized to the real third place winner named Mel Sykes. I'm an idiot. And I want to apologize to Mel. It wasn't malicious. It wasn't. It was miscommunication, she said. Mel didn't get the glory at the finish line, and I'm really sorry that she didn't get that. Okay, miscommunication, fine. But mm-hmm. when you cross the finish line and they go, here's your trophy, here's your medal, you could say, no, no, I dropped out. Right? I, that, that would be the moment? Of integrity? Uh, yeah, that, that would indeed be the moment. That would be like me finishing a math test and getting an A+. That wasn't me. That was somebody else. Mm-hmm. That's very good. Very well done. It's funny you chose math. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> How about spelling test? No, <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm here. I'm here. Uh, just in mm. the spirit of that, I think we should just do this. That's a typo. Because favorite was spelled wrong earlier in the bit. Okay. Are you okay with Grammys? Oh, I love my grandma. Yeah, oh, Gram- I, I don't call my grandma Grammy. I call her Mima. Is really? Never to her face. That's what just kind of what I call her on my phone. It, I don't know. I think it's cute. I think it's funny. I love my grandma. Don't get me wrong. So is she She's grandma then? Best. Pardon? She's grandma. She's grandma. You call her grandma? Yeah, I just call her grandma. Hi, grandma. I had a, so Hi, grandma. Yeah. Mine are gone. So I, uh, my my dad's mom was grandma. My mom's mom was Nana. Mm-hmm. She was Nana. Like that one. Jono, what about your uh, grandparents? Do you have a? Is there a special name for them, or is it Grandma Grandpa? No, I just called him Grand, Grandpa and Grandma. My 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 Grandma, uh, my mom's side passed away, and both of my my dad's side they're they're no longer here. But I my Grandpa still lives with me, and I just call yeah. him Grandpa. Okay, there you go. That's neat, though. It's it's neat. Some you know some people families have a tradition. I know that one day I would like to be a Papa because my dad is a Papa, right? So I think it's all right. Oh, Grammys. Yeah, we're not talking about we're not grandparents. Talking about we're talking about the awards. Yeah. Because what I, I kind of, would you like to win a Grammy? And I'm like, ooh, yeah. Congratulations. Here's a new <laughs> grandmother. <laughs> um, yeah, Grammys, I mean, it's a fun show. People make yeah. money off it, which is nice for those people who get acknowledged. I, I think that the awards generally are don't always represent you know, the best of the music as opposed to the most popular of the music. I know yep. some people who have won Grammys and I'm glad for them. Um, one of the reasons why uh, I like Alex Kuba is because he was never, he's Canadian, he's a Grammy winner, Latin Grammy winner, is because he was never the most popular Latin singer, right? Like he just, he was a guy who made great music and got nominated and won. It's one of my favorite things about him and his story. Can you imagine how exciting it would be, though, to win? I mean, Alex Kuba's told us about what it was like. He was driving in a snowstorm. It seems to be um, there's a thread here. 
gospel singer by the name of Bobby Storm, found out she was up for two Grammys while waiting for her plane to take off. And then she started singing. She posted a video of herself being asked to be quiet several times by a Delta Airlines flight attendant <laughs> and eventually agreed to do that. But when the attendant moved away, she began to sing anyway. I just found out I'm up for two Grammys. My very first time, you guys. I've gotten to the next status, so. Are you able to be quiet? But they're enjoying it. So while we're sitting here, could I please? I'm not enjoying it. Am I gonna go to jail if I don't? Can you please answer my question? Are you willing and able to be quiet right now? I'm doing what the Lord is telling me to do. I'm asking you a question, yes or no. I'm your flight leader. I need you to follow my instruction. If you're not able to, be, to follow my instruction, yeah. you will not be taking this flight. Ah, okay. Are so you able to be asking. quiet? If that's the case, then that's fine. So I'll sing it on the low for y'all in the back. I keep forgetting. We gotta learn how to wait. Thank you so much. You gotta clap on the low. I know. <laughs> Thank you so much. That's very good. Oh. I love this person. <laughs> oh, the flight attendant is my hero. My absolute hero. This guy. And he he gives ironically he gives her like the finger the way that my grandpa does and i don't mean like the middle finger the point mm. like the angry point listen mm -hmm. to me kind of scolding point. yes he does that and it's glorious okay now does that mean i'm not gonna fly okay then i'll just sing it for you on the low <laughs> yeah uh, you can clap yeah i know you have to clap, clap in the, the back on the low <laughs> Uh, Delta has been in contact with a customer. A Delta spokesperson told CBS News, for the safety of our customers and crew, it's always important to follow crew instructions. In a follow-up video, Storm said Delta executives had reached out to her and that she was not breaking any rules, just spreading joy. Storm added that she did not want the crew member to be reprimanded or to lose his job. Well, that's good. Um, that seems like it's one of those things where, uh, hey, bud, you got to loosen the bolts a little bit there. <laughs> let the lady sing. I'll let you sing. Can you sing at a volume that doesn't offend others? Just so you know. But if somebody's not comfortable, then you know, we're going to ask you to stop. Right. But what about the 99 people that are enjoying this lady singing? Like this is the one squeaky wheel gets to shut down everything. I don't know. Go sit at a different gate, pal. Let the lady sing. I'm Shane Hewitt. It's the shift. Our next story can start completely out of context. Canceling Christmas? Now we'll never know what's behind the last box on the M&M advent calendar. It's M&M's, Peter. They've all been M&M's. You don't know that! You ate my whole family. One more day. Are you okay with... Advent calendars? Oh. My favorite one is the one on National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yes. That's Transition. one of my favorites. Yeah, because they Ooh. that's how you understand the days. They tell a lot of story through the advent calendar. Yep. I'm being a kid getting those nice waxy chocolates, basically brown colored sugar wax. And those <laughs> that was good times. And then I... you didn't remember. And then you felt yeah. like a bad Catholic. And then yeah. you're like then you felt shame and guilt. So you fit mm -hmm. right in. And yep. then you ate like five days worth all at once. And it wasn't mm -hmm. good for you, didn't feel good. That I can't be the only one that had an experience with advent calendars. You're not. But I think I only did it when I was really young. We had, I believe, my, it was, I remember it very faintly. It was like a felt handmade, like Christmas tree that had all the Advent, you know, calendar mm -hmm. things in it. But I didn't really understand it, like why I was getting gifts, like why I was getting treats up until Christmas. I mm -hmm. just was like, okay, cool. And I've, I've never done it. I've never done it since. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, this one might be up your alley, Ryan, if you're looking for okay. a less shame-filled uh, <laughs> calendar. Candor? Um, if you're looking for a less shame-filled candor this Christmas, I'm really glad you're good at math. Calendar is one of those words I can never spell. Everybody's got mm. like a couple, decided, yeah. and mm -hmm. like calendar is one for me. I don't know why, the, but I just, you have a hard yeah, time with doesn't the, work with me. Yep. That was a tough one, too. I can tell you this, calendar does not um, spell like candor, if that helps you. Next time you need to spell it, you can text me. I'll help you out. Yeah, it doesn't. Um, look no further if you want something new than Lego. Featuring 24 days of builds. The perfect way to keep your kid going through the last couple of weeks of school. Mm, can I change that? The perfect way to keep your content producer making it through the last couple of weeks <laughs> of work before Christmas. <laughs> Actually happen. 
Mm. Uh, keeping them happy when they're indoors through winter break before Christmas finally arrives. Right now, you can save a few bucks on several Lego advent calendars over at Amazon, where the selection includes Star Wars, Marvel, and Harry Potter sets, as well as more traditional kits. Tell me about these advent calendars. It's a set per day or one piece yeah, per day. Yeah, tiny. Like, they're little micro builds or minifigures sometimes. Now... Mm-hmm. Advent, I've never had a Lego advent calendar ever in my entire life. Uh-huh. Never bought one, never gotten one as a gift. It's never happened. I'm okay with that. It's all right. I would rather have the big cool set on Christmas Day. But some of the builds are pretty cool. The little micro builds are actually pretty sweet. I was looking at the Star Wars one. It's got Emperor Palpatine, but he's wearing a Christmas sweater, which is excellent. And then you've got like Ewoks with uh, treats. And then you've got little micro builds of tanks and droids from Star Wars and uh, the same thing goes with like the the Harry Potter ones. Uh, the what do they got here for Harry Potter? They've got a little Quidditch thing. All things that look like they would oh, fit in place at Hogwarts. I didn't know Quidditch? that. I always thought it was Quidditch. Quidditch, yeah, Quidditch. Uh, I can tell got, you why yeah, cool. you never received a twenty twenty uh, an Advent calendar. Why is that? They're sixty bucks, and that was going to be my next point. They are not cheap. They no. are not cheap. They were cheaper when I was young and was like open to advent calendars for sure. Uh, but uh, they are not cheap. Yeah, they're cool. Don't get me wrong. They get a little display thing you get with them too when you open it up. Um, but uh, I think the reason I never got one is because I don't really know what I would do with all the little mini builds other than just kind of take them apart eventually and use it as spare pieces. The figures are neat. And there's a there's a Darth Vader that has a Christmas sweater that's worth like seventy dollars. I've, I've seen that before. So if you're a Lego collector, I think they're valid. And um, your kid's probably just going to take them apart and use the parts. Yeah, reckless use of the word worth. Uh, but people are willing to pay stupid amounts of money for them. Yes. So there is one that is like friends and kids. It is eighty nine dollars. Hmm. Eighty nine. Where yeah. did you see that one? Amazon. Um, that might the be Star Wars one. It's like paying fifty dollars oh, for tiny little there. Star Wars people. It's uh, Lego.ca for forty bucks. That same one. Okay, good. Yep. Um, there is uh, there is a reindeer though, which I have to say is rather Ooh. cute. There's also a little Ewok. There's a hockey there. player in the Lego City one. Ooh. There's a hockey player and a little Uh-oh. goal and a puck. Uh oh. Mm. Uh oh. Nice. Guess what time it is. Time for Ryan to go shopping. Remember the earlier conversation about luxury items? Well, (laughs) might have just found another one. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.